0: I'm Charlie Osborne, Editor-at-Large at at Cybercrime Magazine. I'm here today with Richard Latulip, Field Chief Information Security Officer for Recorded Future and former Special Agent in the Secret Service Cyber Intelligence section. Richard, welcome and thank you for joining us today. Thank you. So Richard, today I would like to talk about your extremely impressive career and work in the Secret Service, which mainly involved hunting down cybercriminals. However, to start, can you please provide our listeners with your educational background? And can you tell us whether or not you always wanted to join law enforcement?
1: Yeah, I guess probably ever since I was little, I had that idea of doing something different, right? Joining a higher order or doing something good or giving back to the community. So ever since I was small, I kind of looked or leaned towards that. I had a choice between military or joining law enforcement. I ended up leaning towards law enforcement. Ended up even going to Indiana University where I got my criminal justice degree. Then after that, it was all history. Kind of joined in and started, got my foot in the door, ended up with a 25-year career in the United States Secret Service where I ended up retiring and then moving on to private sector.
0: And so how did you end up working in the Secret Service?
1: I always joke. I think I get that question asked pretty often. I just applied like most other people. I didn't know anyone. I didn't have any foot in the door, if that makes sense. But- Through the application process and doing well on all the different stages ended up being very well for me. And it took extremely long. I think back in that time, they did not have an expedited hiring process. So it was about 15 months from the start of the application to the end or the conclusion, but it ended up well. And I think it was in August of 1998, in which I got the official letter and started and went to the
0: academy. I would have assumed it would take a lot longer. And you mentioned an expedited process. Is there one in place today for cybersecurity skills?
1: So they don't necessarily pick or tag people specifically for cybersecurity skills, albeit I know that it's an ever-changing field and our application process is always changing, or I say ours, but my former employer's process is always changing. But when I was midway through my career, they started expediting the hiring process because we were losing a lot of good quality candidates. If you can imagine taking somewhere from 15 months to even up to 18 months to get hired, they oftentimes would get other hiring offers or letters, so they would end up accepting those in terms of a job. So they wanted to streamline that as best as they could, and they ended up bringing it down. I want to say it was between six to eight months. In today's environment, there are opportunities for positions that are specialized within the U.S. Secret Service, which could be a little bit more streamlined, but. Being that I've been out now for three years, a little bit out of touch with the exact hiring process.
0: And you have said previously that part of your role was bridging gaps in critical infrastructure security, resulting in reducing potential risks of data breaches. Can you explain to us how you achieved this?
1: Yeah, so the Secret Service recognized, I would have to say, a while back, right? So they recognized that we do protection in terms of a 365 ideology and also a 360 ideology so we're trying to not just protect the protectee from what's around or near but it's also what's above or below but with the interconnectivity of the internet and how ot technology has been further and further implemented into networks and is touching the internet on a regular basis you can imagine if you stepped on an elevator and you press the button and you expect to go to four or five, but you end up going to the basement. Or if your HVAC systems are now being controlled from an exterior source, that that can cause a lot of issues for a potential protectee of ours. So we wanted to make sure that we were mitigating those potential threats. And then you can also say that we're truly doing a 360 degree protection of an important person. And so... We would work with corporations and we would mitigate or we would at least triage their network, ask for certain types of mitigation steps for when a protectee was in a particular location at a specific time. That way we'd be able to further ensure the safety of any particular candidate or protectee in that environment.
0: And there was another quite interesting aspect of your job, which I'd like to touch upon, which was tackling financial fraud. Could you please tell our listeners about a case or two that particularly stands out?
1: So I think that when I started my career with the Secret Service, I had a little bit of background in law enforcement where I worked in the U.S. Border Patrol. And so they had a regional fraud task force working with a lot of the community. So San Diego Police Department, for example, was one that we worked quite closely with. And because I had that background... My supervisors immediately asked if I would be okay with working with them in that environment, which I was very happy to do. Gained a lot of experience working with the very seasoned detectives with the police department. But that idea really quickly was financial crimes focused. And financial crimes is interesting because in today, the buzzword is cybercrime and a lot of computer crime aspects. And of course, there were laws that were created specifically Title 18, United States Code 1030, which addresses with the illegal use of computers But ultimately, the majority is a financial aspect, right? What's the end goal of whomever it is that's trying to commit any type of particular crime? So I got very early in where people were starting. If you can imagine way back in 1998, working with the local police department, we would encounter all types of cyber criminals that were doing very low tech. So it would be something like your home computer. It would be an all-in-one printer where they would print out a check or they would print out some other financial infrastructure and then would try to use that at a store front, or they would go to a check casting facility. So those were types of those beginning crimes. And then from there, it translated into skimming cases where I worked a lot of skimming cases and one in particular ended up moving forward to that journey for me at least from a financial crimes aspect to more of a cyber criminal aspect where one particular target was using exactly that lower tech or that less connected technology he had a handheld device where he was skimming credit cards at a local storefront but he ended up going to a storefront in the los angeles area and that person was interesting because he was connected to that underground economy and when they came in originally to replace or to get an additional skimming device so they continue the criminal activities that storefront over he very quickly recognized what they were doing understood the criminal aspect to it and then introduced them to that underground economy whereas they started immediately speaking with people out of southeast asia and even into the eastern european theater and started to get the other devices that might be instrumental to counterfeiting credit cards, re-encoding credit cards, but also getting the data that can be then applied to those tracks. So that case led me into that next stage where it was an undercover operation. And the idea of this particular undercover operation was to take the digital world and move it into the real world.
0: I'm glad you mentioned that some of your work was undercover, because as I was reading about it, it brought to mind the idea that in order for you to be trusted by criminals, you also need to be able to think like them. Is this the case in your experience?
1: So I want to say that building rapport and establishing a relationship is paramount in anything. You can look at the business world, you can look at the interpersonal relationships that you currently have. It was just as equally as important in that world. Understanding that you were part of the world, so you had to be able to speak like them, use the same terminology like them, and experience some of the things that they may have experienced so that you can tell the story or you can build the relationship and you can connect on more of a, let's just say, not a business relationship where your only reasoning to communicate was because you were selling something that I wanted in terms of intellectual property and then that's what I wanted to buy. So you had to be able to then take that to that next level and get that person more drawn in. So it could be that business is why you start the conversations, but your secondary conversations are just as equally important because there you can start creating that interpersonal connection. And that connection is, again, the draw, right? Because, you know, business is business, but if you and I both like scuba diving or if you and I both like any type of sporting events, you know, could be American football, it could be European football, it could be rugby, right? So it's just trying to connect on those other levels, which will get that person to continue to open up and communicate.
0: And do you think your understanding of, well, criminals aside, building rapport and maintaining relationships will benefit you as a CISO in your new venture?
1: I think that being able to talk about the past experiences that I've had, and to be able to understand how the adversaries can target not just your network but your intellectual property is paramount in terms of trying to build a resilient security stack to prevent that compromise that bad day so knowing those types of parts of the puzzle because if you think about your security stack you think about how you're going to formulate your program it may start with policies it may start with procedures then it moves into getting the buy-in from all the different executive leaders and also the people who are part of your program and then it's accepting the tools that you're being able to use and then taking those tools and having the correct personnel so being able to know those and bridge those gaps and look it's not super complicated but it is an interesting part of your experiences i think that There are a lot of people who go through cybersecurity programs or training that really understand all of the uniqueness of building up a proper set of, let's just say, programs, but then take that aspect, the personal aspect of where, you know, I spent three years talking to the adversary, then I spent an additional about eight years learning from them in a law enforcement capacity where I debriefed the adversary. I learned their techniques. I learned how their procedures were. I learned how they footprinted networks, and then also the infrastructure that they used in order to then go to those next steps, the initial access brokers, the collaboration and the communication. Sometimes people get, oh, well, if they're Russian speaking, then they must only work with Russian speaking, but this is not true. It's a very social area of their line of work, whereas that they will bring in and bring out the quality and the skills that they need in order to accomplish the tasks that they have set forward to accomplish.
0: And finally, Richard, you've had quite the hands in upskilling and training throughout the years. Say I wanted to start out in cybersecurity and perhaps go into a similar line of work as you are. Where would you suggest I begin?
1: Originally, when people asked me that question, because I think criminal justice is a way into the door, right? I thought that by doing criminal justice, that anyone within law enforcement would recognize here's an individual that really wanted to get into this particular profession. I've ended up pivoting and I've instructed people how you communicate and the education that you have in terms of writing is as equally important. And understanding the communication effectiveness is going to be able to get you further than being able to say that I did a criminal justice degree. So in today's environment, being able to speak, being able to understand and then moving into that side, whereas that there are plenty of programs. I mean, when I did my degree in 1991 through 95, There weren't so many programs out there that were specializing in cybersecurity, but that's changed in today's landscape. Currently, I'm actually at Boston College doing a master's program in cybersecurity policy and governance. And so getting that education to raise the bar and then looking at the certifications that you would need that's industry recognized to be able to, again, build upon. So you can get the beginning jobs of working your way from, say, your university degree of cybersecurity to move into analyst roles and then start building up from there. And then at the same time, because these programs are out there, start your master's program. And so that you can start again, further enhancing your education, understanding of the threat landscape, pivoting as well to those industry recognized certifications, starting at maybe your security plus and then moving your way up. And ultimately your goal is to get to the certified information security manager that's going to establish a bona fides that I think that you would need to make yourself very marketable, especially in today's environment, whereas that cybersecurity is the top buzzword. And it's also one that you look at multiple headlines across the board almost every day, if you will, someplace, somewhere in the world is having, you know, a network breach or a compromise of data privacy. Also, I think that understanding your key stakeholders is equally as important. If you don't understand how everything else plays into it, because if we look at information security, which is part of cybersecurity, it actually could be the whole of cybersecurity, there are multiple components that fall into it. Information technology is one, but when you look at the governance, you look at the risk management, you look at the business aspects that information security plays into the whole piece of this, it really incorporates everything. Knowing legal, knowing your flameworks, knowing your regulatory agencies, these are also very key to your success. And also advancing your career because ultimately most people want to end up as a chief information security officer working from some organization and you're going to need to understand how everything intersects in order to achieve that.
0: Thank you for joining us today Richard and providing us with your insight. Thank you. I'm Charlie Osborne, editor-at-large at Cybercrime Magazine. Joining me today was Richard LaTulip, CISO for Recorded Future. To follow all of our media go to cybercrimemagazine.com.